But obviously we have Paul. Paul stayed with us. You know, he is now a relic and he is still with us. So I feel like that's the kind of that I need to collect him up, get him to Mars and have him buried on Mars. Welcome to the OnScript podcast, your home for world-class conversations on scripture and theology, where you get to meet some of the best in the field. Visit us at onscript.study. Say hello on Twitter at OnScript Podcast and stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash OnScript. Hey everyone, welcome back to the OnScript Podcast. This is Matt Lynch. I'm a co-host of OnScript along with Matt Bates, Drew Johnson, Aaron Heim, Chris Tilling, and Amy Brown-Hughes. Thanks so much for tuning in to this very special episode. We have a guest coming on today who's been on the show three other times uh, each time around this time of year so uh, he's back today uh, giving us some some brilliant insights into the nature of uh, Paul's theology of universalism so I think you'll enjoy that um, and thank you for tuning in on this uh, episode and we hope you enjoyed the podcast thanks Hello, everyone. Welcome back to OnScript. Our guest today needs no introduction. Professor Irvine Shablatsam is the author of numerous books, including Paul, Multiverse Theory, and The Journey of the Inner Soul, Fault Lines in the Horizon, Paul's Dawning Age, Marches On, Feathers on the Nose, Paul's Radical Pastoral Theology for the Non-Anthropic World. And he's here today to talk about his latest book, uh, which I've been sent a copy of and doesn't yet have a title, but uh, we'll be discussing that, as well as another book that he's worked on, on Pauline theology and universalism. Professor Shablatsam has PhDs in theology and physics and holds a distinguished chair in theology and physics at the Center for Excellence that he runs in the Lake District in the UK. Professor Shablatsam, this is your fourth time on the show. Welcome back. Welcome back, Matthew. You know what they say? Fourth time's a charm. I'm pleased to be back. You know, I tell my friends often that uh, I have a regular slot with the 238th most popular theological podcast in the UK, and I can I can feel their envy through their skin. I'm going to be honest with you. It is it is it is a highlight of my year. Uh, well, obviously, sorry, Jesus' birthday is a highlight of my year. And Jesus is risen again, being risen again is my second highlight of the year, and this is my third. So, you know, um, you don't ever have to welcome me back. It's like coming home. Well, it's, it's really great to, to have you, and I know listeners have really appreciated your work, and a lot of readers have as well. So, uh, we're, you know, we're a year into the pandemic, and I'm just wondering uh, if you could update our listeners on what you've been up to. How has the pandemic affected your work? Um, you know, at the Center for Excellence, what what sorts of projects have you been involved in? Yeah, just, uh, you know, give us an update. Thank you, Matthew. Yes. Um, what a year, you know, what a year. I think, uh, you know, I mean, in, I don't know what it's been like out there in the uh, the the uh, North America, but I've here we've really we've gone locked down, which I think is, uh, you know, needs must. Um, you know, I was able to bubble with Dave. So um, Dave wanted to bubble with his mum because she's old, but I was like, I can't, my research can't grind to a halt because you want to look after your mum. So he, in the end, he, he, he came and bubbled with me. I don't know whether you've got that expression in America, the bubble. It's like forming a, a, a pairing within a group. So we, me and Dave have bubbled together. Um, so for me right now, let me tell you a story. For me right now, the cradle of theological thought is in America right now. 
from that northern border to that southern border that is where the cradle of theology is right now um you're over there you're inside that the that 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 world and yeah, so in canada yeah canada yeah uh, mm -hmm. um, no, go on though your, your point so um, yeah my point was that that the the okay well america and where you are matt wherever you are i feel you stretch the borders of america and take it around you so that you can be included in in that um cradle of theological thought um so what i thought that do you know what i thought when you've got the cradle of theological thought do you know what it needs what's that shablatsum yeah it needs some shablatsum yeah. so you know like in the bible david you know had a dream and you know an angel appeared to him in that dream and told him stuff i didn't have a dream but i had a thought and my thought was that i need to be in that cradle I need to climb into that cradle and be in it. So I read that Americans, all Americans, have pool houses. And they let their friends live in it, basically. Or your, your pool boy. Do you have a pool boy, Matt? Pool oh, house. No, I, I don't have one. <laughs> oh, I thought all Americans have pool houses. I mean, some people that have pools will have a pool house. So, okay. you know, on that front. Because you're, a, cause you're a, a, a world leading theologian, I s assumed you would have a pool house. So my plan was to me and dave to come over and live with you for an indefinite period of time in your pool house this can't happen now matt what's that i can't come to america right because of the pandemic now no that's a shame i no oh. not the pandemic now i understand if you need time off from from the podcast right now to cope with that news are you all right to continue we could we could take a break if that if you want no, I'm fine. It's okay. for you. Okay. That, I've no, just no, broken I'm... the news that I can't come and live in your I pool see. house. It, it is disappointing, but that I can we can carry on. Right. The key element of this, as you can imagine, this plan was Paul. And because Paul got taken away from me and he got sent to a, a, a goat recovery sanctuary, I thought I need to deal with these problems I have in my life theologically. So the restraining order is still in effect, I assume. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I don't think God would want that to be in place. So, I, you know, I think, and again, I think your listeners, your listeners probably want to deal with big issues in their life with theological pathways. So one day you might want to deal, deal with things in a Paul-like way or a Moses-like way or a Jason and Technicolor Dreamcoat type way. You know, whatever way you want to, there's a theology for each of these characters, these, these amazing characters in the Bible. I, start, I just felt the theology of Jonah was the first step in this phase. What I needed, what I really needed, was to get Paul out. Paul needed to be part of my journey across the States. <clears throat> that, was high, that was high risk, but I felt Jonah was the way to do this. So, I am the whale. I will take Paul, not inside me, but you know, in my arms as the whale, to a new land. Okay? So, the plan. I actually called it Operation Get My Goat Back. Because I felt like that's what you do in times of real strife. You need to give it a good, strong title. Yeah, and, and for listeners who aren't familiar with the backstory here, um, Professor Shablatsum had been doing pretty cutting-edge experiments with goats in the UK. And, and one uh, particular neighbor misunderstood what was happening. And, and the RSPCA took away the, the goat. And now there's, um, Professor Shablatsum does, is not able to be with his uh, goat, Paul. Yeah, I'm not allowed within 100 feet of any hooved animal. That's what it says on the on the piece of paper they gave me. Anyway, 
I needed him back, so I, I, I actually was, I actually was going to jailbreak him out. Now, I need, I know this is a bit, this being my mea culpa. I needed to people to understand. I've done something bad, but it's for a good. And I wanted to set the scene. And I, th I mean, are you, you think podcasts are good, don't you? They're not, let's be honest, though. They're not that great because they're not TV shows. So your listeners can't see it, can they? So, no. you know, it's, you know, I understand. What it, has, they, it has its you know. advantages, though, because they can they can walk and drive and listen. Yeah, but I, I still feel like a podcast is like going into a cinema with your eyes closed. You know? I think there's 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 anyway. Let's not get into let's not get into the the the, the pros and cons of podcasting. Um, so I want to set the scene slightly. So I wrote a poem. Oh wow! <clears throat> Would you like to share that? Yes. So what I'll do, Matt, is I will say I, I'll say the word "scene" to let you know it's starting, and then "scene" when it ends. Okay. So if your listeners want to listen up, Paul is trapped. This isn't the poem. Sorry, I haven't said scene yet. Paul is trapped on a sanctuary near my house. Okay. So that, that's the that's the sort of setup for the scene. Scene. Verse 1. I snuck in like a cat, creeping up on a bat. Dave on lookout, wearing a hat. Paul was in a field, looking quite fat. Verse 2. I crawled along next to a gate. I spotted Paul the goat next to a gate. Gosh, he had put on weight. I had to move before it was too late. Up I stood, it was time to seal our fate. Scene. Okay, that's where I was. I'm in the field. I'm ready to go. I found him. I looked him straight in the eye. He looked me straight in the eyes. I reached out my arms. That must have been a powerful moment. Yes, I reached out my arms and I said, how am I going to get him to follow me? Jesus. The greatest example of following, isn't it? So I used a Christology theology and I said, put down that grass and come follow me. So what happened then? He ran off bleating. Oh. He was bleating so loud, the old lady came out of the house. Oh, goodness. And she said to me, she said unto me, clear off you loon, you're scaring the goats. And I just think some people just don't understand. You know, but anyway, that's that, that, I dabbled in Christology, in some Christology theology, and it's not served me well. So at that point, I was like, what, who else in the Bible can I, what theology can I find to get both this lady to give me a goat and get out? And I thought, well, who's good at getting out of places? Moses. So I went with a Mosical theology at that point. And I stood there and I noticed next to me was a bush. And I thought, that, that is That's a sign. Uncanny. That is uncanny. So I set fire to the bush and I stood in front of the bush while it was on fire. And I put out my arms and I said, let my goat go that he may come with me to America. Hmm. How did that work? I was arrested for arson, breach of the peace, and uh, breaking a restraining order. That seems unfair. I just, you know what, man? You've probably, you've probably done an experiment similar to this with theology. You just try your hardest sometimes to align simple ideas of theology, and they just don't seem to marry up. But anyway, I've got to share the news that that is why I can't come to America and live in your pool house. Uh, I now have a, I ha now have a criminal record which means that the american embassy in london said that i am not a appropriate person to be coming to america now i explained to the lady mandy her name was very very nice lady but gosh i tried to explain to her what i was achieving what i was trying to do and um i was asked to leave so 
that was my experience so far. And did you know what? The thought, it's just, it's just, it's just getting to me now. The thought, the thought of what we could have done together as a team, if I had moved to the States, it just, I just, I'm going to have to, I'm sorry, man, I'm going to have to take a break. Is that okay? Just yeah, for, fine. Just you for want, a minute. You just take half hour. Just a minute. And, we'll... and I'll be back. Okay, so coming off that break, let's uh, let's talk about your book that you sent me. <clears throat> this book does not yet have a title. It's your uh, fourth book, I believe. Yeah, I'm just curious what you were hoping to achieve there. Uh, you know, the, the the copy I had that you sent me, just for the listeners to know, uh, was highly, uh, you know, a lot of sections were uh, blacked out, so I couldn't read all of it. But the, the bits I did pick up, uh, were interesting, but hard to put together because of the elements that were blacked out. So why don't you just give our listeners a sense of, of what this book is, what you're arguing, and kind of your primary thesis. Back again, back again. Shiblatsum's back. Back again, back again. Hi, Matt. I'm back. <clears throat> I've gone and had myself what I like to call the clear thinker. I don't drink alcohol, so it's not a cocktail, don't worry. It is. Biblical number, Matt, is seven. Yeah, seven espressos, one cup, boom. Yeah, seven espressos, one cup, boom. Clear thinker, wow. man. Clear thinker. Yeah. No worries. What was wow. your question? Um, so the question was, um, what is it that you were trying to argue ah, in this fourth book? Yes, um, you know, large yes. sections of it. Um, this book. Uh, yes, right. This book. Uh, we had. Uh, so yes, sales are down. Yes, we need to talk about this. So. I've changed tack. I appreciate what you're doing for me. I appreciate this podcast. I appreciate all you listeners out there. Howdy doody. Um, the the thing I appreciate most is book sales, let's be honest. Um, and I felt partnering up with you guys would give me a real big bump in sales. Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen that. So what I felt was I felt I was giving too much away. Too much of the candy was getting given out in this podcast. And so I felt, you know what Shablatum Shib- Shib- needs? He needs to be aloof. And so I've gone for an aloof marketing approach. So my marketing strategy at the moment is to be aloof. Right. I, I suppose the final copy will, will not be as redacted as the copy you sent me. Yes. CIA. I read about the CIA. And do you know what they do? When they want to keep things hidden, they redact things. What, I don't know whether you, just to explain that to you and your listeners, is you get a big thick pen and you just cross stuff out. So I thought to myself, if I redact my book... If I take all the real gems out of the book, well, no, keep them in, but draw over them with a with a permanent marker, then there won't be any nuggets to give away. So if you manage something like it's like gold panning, if you're panning for nuggets and there are no nuggets in your pan, you're nuggetless. So I'm going to give this book out to you, nuggetless, and then we can't lose any nuggets. Yeah, and there was a uh, there was a section on the back that said so like it had a sort of price tier system where um, certain tiers had less redacted. Just for the sake of our listeners, mm-hmm. would you say mm-hmm. that some of the lowest like if someone orders the low tier, which I think was nineteen ninety five or something like that, mm-hmm. and it's highly still pretty redacted, would they be able to get the sense of the argument from that, or would they need to purchase one of the higher tiers? Sometimes people say, and I wouldn't say this, but sometimes people would say that charity is overrated and you know giving stuff away is 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 not always the best solution so what i'll do is if you buy the book in 1995 
about 50% of the book is redacted. So what I will do is if you then send me another or the publisher, I haven't quite worked out how it's going to work yet, but if I get more money from you, I will send you the cut, the pieces cut out. So you'll get like a bag full of sentences that I've cut out of an original copy. You'll then open your book and then you'll stick them on top of the redacted permanent marker. Hence, it's like theology coming to life right there and then. Yeah, that's a lot of, it sounds like a lot of work, but I'm sure it's worth it given the content we've had in the past. Um, You know, there was one uh, sentence actually that intrigued me from the book that was, that was not uh, edited, uh, redacted. You you said that one of the goals you have (coughs) is... You're right there. Um, One of the goals you... Was I, did I not mean... Sorry. So, so one of the goals you have with the book is to develop, um, and it was blacked out, but a certain kind of theology, quote, faster than any other outfit. Um, what does it mean to produce theology faster uh, than any other outfit, and why, why would that be desirable? Do you know what I'd say, Matt? Do you know what I'd say to that? It's a good question, by the way. I, feel like, I do feel like you're developing as a, as a podcast host. I don't think you're the best podcast host on OnScript, but I think you're getting there. I, I, I wouldn't create like a tier of who's the best and stuff, but I feel like, cause I don't want that's embarrassing. That's awkward, isn't it? You know, but I feel you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, bottom of the top half, top, top of the bottom half, I'd say. So, um, so you should be proud of that, but I think you're getting better. That's a good question. Um, what was the question? Well, I was asking about the section where you talk about um, oh, developing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so no, I don't, what was the question? So you talked about uh, developing theology faster than any other outfit. And I was just curious what you meant by developing fast theology and why that would be desirable. What I would say to that, Matthew, theology moves fast. You know, you think how fast and how much change has occurred in the last 2000 years, you know, from like you take the Sermon on the Mount and look how much that's changed from the day Jesus spoke it to today. It's like lining. So I think, so I've come up with the concept of, that I unpack in the book. Well, I unpack... Well, yeah, it depends on what, how much you pay, but you, you yeah, you, you, you know, at the end of the day, pay, pay full whack, you get full whack. Um, an example of that is Theo Zooming. So this is something that I've come up with during the pandemic to help do my, play my part, processing and getting theological questions done quickly. Uh, you can't do big questions. So, you know, you've got to actually real, deal with tiny questions. So, you know, I think, I think, and it, you know, like, so for example, of a, of a, 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 a huge question would be, what impact does modern post-modernistic culture have on traditional Pauline theology? Right, that's a, that's a chunky question that sure, we, we, that's can, a big we question. can we yeah. can sit here on a podcast for hours just wrestling around. Um, a bigger, que- a, a tiny question that is, is de- dealt with in, the, in a theo-zooming context is something like why Pauline theology? Question mark. So what you're trying to do at the Center for Excellence then is to take smaller questions. Is it you're breaking down bigger questions into smaller questions or are you actually just No, it's just small questions, small... just tiny right. questions, just tiny okay. theological questions. And then the goal is to address them quickly. Mm. For, wh- why why is that a Why is that a desirable goal? Just go. Well, this again it's to combat the perceived, shall we say, glacial movement which can occur within some theological circles you know you just need to be like why use a thousand words to explain a complex uh a hugely complex and my theological work is an a4 sheet 
And if you can't read that and be have it impacted for, you, for your entire life from reading my A4 sheet of thoughts, I, I'm going wrong. You know? Yeah, so um, you, you had talked about, uh, you've got another book, actually, that, you know, beyond the redacted volume that you're, uh, you've just published. And um, you were going to uh, share with our listeners the name of this book and uh, some of your primary arguments. So why, don't, why don't we shift to that now? So the name of the book is <clears throat> Pauline Theology, The Final Frontier. Paul must finish his journey. And, and what's need, the... Uh, need, I, need I, for your listeners' benefit, need I say more? Right. No, um, no but yes. <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious, uh, you know, in the, in the portion of that book that you sent me, you suggested that, quote, interstellar Pauline theology is a massive gap in biblical theology. Huge. How, huge. How, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say massive. I'd mm -hmm. say huge. He said, however, uh, and here you, you sort of refer to yourself in the third person. You say, for Dr. Shablatsum, it's a wormhole. So there's this massive gap in biblical, uh, or huge uh, gap in biblical theology, but for you, it's a wormhole. So in what ways is interstellar Pauline theology a wormhole? What does it, you know, what do those concepts mean? For well, <clears throat> I try to keep at the forefront, like yourself, I try to keep at the forefront of uh, what's going on in theology right now. And universalism, as I like to call it, uh, is really a uh, within Pauline theology. It's kind of a tasty morsel, as we say in yeah, the theological it's a, world. It's a, it's a big discussion right now. I mean, just for, for our listeners, universalism, you know, um, tracing the idea of a potential universal salvation or um, the extension of the gospel to the Gentiles. Sorry. So, yeah. No, 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 no. Universalism. You're, what you're talking about is not what universalism is. Universal so how, how, how are you using the term? Well, so it's not how I'm using the term, it's how we collectively are using the term. I think you've read, it. probably read a, you know, been yeah. on a website and read that. That's not quite right. So let me explain. It, it could Universe... very well be. I'm an Old Testament scholar. So yeah, yeah I'm you've sometimes out of these discussions. You've been on Wikipedia again, haven't you? Um, so uh, universalism, you've got to break it into two parts, the ism and the universe. So what, 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 people, are, what people are wrestling with is where does Pauline, Paul and Pauline theology fit into the universe just because he ended up in rome that wasn't the end of his journey so i'm gonna f i have taken upon myself to finish that journey by exploring no pun intended well it was intended but um the universalism is he must finish his journey what we need what we need is a modern day paul we could sit with him and ask him stuff couldn't we we haven't got that so i thought what's the closest we can get to that so I thought there's three parts to this. There's the historical Paul, the modern Paul, and the future Paul. Okay? So do you, do you get that? That's you, that's not, yeah, that's is that complicated or is, is that complicated yeah. or do you get that? Uh, I, I think I get Because I feel like the, if you can get it, your listeners yeah, can get it. Yeah, it's a helpful typology because, you know, as Christians, we wouldn't want Paul as a biblical writer and character from the Bible to just remain in the past, but to be continually relevant um, for us and for future generations. Yeah. I just, my, my feeling about that is that his writings aren't that impactful though so kind of like we need to do something we need to move on from that and we need to do do the next phase so you've got historical paul you've got modern paul you've got future paul um so i couldn't find a modern day paul what do you I, mean by I, that i i couldn't find somebody alive right now who i felt could be paul and i think that's a sorry state of affairs probably a big reflection on our postmodernistic society but 
let's let's not go into that that's another podcast maybe or maybe that's a podcast that we could just do every week just me and you but like, you know let's yeah, let's 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 let that settle and let's see how we feel about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. um but i did find one you found what i you? found the future paul Huh. Do you want to? Do you want a clue? Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, it's interesting. Are you ready for the clue? I think you'll get this. You ready? Yeah. To boldly go where no man's gone before. Hmm. That's who's uh, that? That, who's that, that? Sounds a little uh, trekky to me. James T. Capital T. Kirk. I'm sure some of your people listening know who that is. Yeah, some of our listeners might be dressed up as him right now. I wouldn't have said that. That's fine for you to say. Uh, James T. Kirk. Let's just think about that for a second, okay? He starts off on Earth, and he goes on a voyage. Who else went on a voyage? I need you to work with me a bit on this, yeah? Sure, yeah. I'm sorry, make it a bit more interactive. I don't want to come here just... Yeah, I yeah, want, yeah. Is that well, okay? I mean, given the title of the book, probably Paul. Fine, great. <clears throat> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, just, let's have a take two. So, Matt, uh, James T. Kirk... Who's he went on a voyage? Who else went on a voyage? Paul. Paul. Yes. Well done. So um, we'll make a scholar of you yet. Um, <laughs> so uh, so Paul James T. Kirk, indistinguishable. One in the history, one in the future. Okay, we could take that. So so how does this relate to the future, Paul? Um, <clears throat> well, I don't want to be rude, but I feel like um, your listeners probably get it. And it's probably you that's struggling with the concept, but I'm very happy. If, if, you, if you've understood what I'm getting at, listeners, just chill. Go make a coffee for a minute and I'm going to unpack it for Matt. So James T. Kirk went on a voyage. Paul went on a voyage. Paul didn't finish his voyage. Universalism is about him being part of the universe. So he, he stopped in Rome, but I feel like it was cut short. And I feel like Rome was the final, you know, he needed to blast off from Rome and go on. So I feel desperately clear that I really want to think seriously about if I can continue his journey. So I got a piece of string and I I bought one of those inflatable globes. You know, you can get them from shops for kids. Um, I got a big one. It was a beach ball size one. And I got a piece of string and I stuck it on, on the world through his journey. And I got a piece of string and I, I hung all the planets up in my bedroom and I, got a piece of string and I pulled it out from the earth and it, do you know what it hit? What? Mars. Hmm. It hit Mars and I just felt, is that where he's supposed to be? He's supposed to be on Mars. I'm a now a convert to muskism. Hmm. What's you've got muskism? This, you've got this young man, fellow over in America. Ah, uh, uh, Elon who's, Musk. Yeah, that's the fella. And he's going to the Mars. So I want, I was wondering if I could use one of his Tesla rockets to get to mars so um so this is the this is the this is the 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 book you know some may say it's a new damn brain i wouldn't but it's a kind of a it's a it's a kind of a theological an anthropological based around this idea that paul needs to finish his journey you signaled a turning your book toward pauline archaeology and you said that the field of, of Pauline studies need to, needs to sort of make a turn toward Pauline archaeology and that you've taken that turn. And and so what are some of the places that's leading you? How does this relate to the future Paul and getting Paul to Mars? 
Um, yes. So <clears throat> I, I can't obviously take, you know, I know all your listeners know this, but I can't obviously take Paul to Mars. But obviously we have Paul. Paul stayed with us. You know, he is now a relic and he is still with us. So I feel like that's the kind of that I need to collect him up, get him to Mars and have him buried on Mars. That's really what I feel. Right. So so the the um, relic relics of Paul, which are I don't even know where they're supposedly held i mean is it do, do you find that there's do you find that there's conclusive evidence that it's actually the historical paul i mean because a lot of these are dubious in terms of their historicity yeah so i've been emailing people and it's not it's not conclusive let's say so i, I went on i was back on the internet back on google and i googled the you know how to how to prove something and you need evidence so the, for me, the thing that I've discovered is when you get bones and you get, you get relics, you need to have um, dental records. So what I thought would be what I try, what I'm trying to get is is the historical dental records of Paul. So I've been emailing around experts in this, and to be honest, and again, I just want to be delicate with this in these kind of delicate times. Don't want to go down a wormhole or rabbit hole, whichever your suits you best. Um, I have been asking people for these dental records, and everybody has come back to me saying they don't exist. Hmm. But my so what's that tell you? It, well, I don't want to use I don't want to use this word, but I will. It's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy of silence. Right. If, Where, if they're all you, saying no, huh. if okay. everyone's saying no, yeah. you know, it's a bit, it's a bit dubious, something. isn't it? So. And I've, you know, it's obvious. Where there are teeth, there are dental records. Why would you have? Not, why would you? Why would you not have dental records? I, so, I, I suppose some people might be wondering about whether they kept dental records in antiquity. Yeah, that, I mean, they're probably in clay or something. They're probably like you know, bite down on this piece of clay, and you know, that's your record. So, you know, yeah, they probably didn't have X-rays. So yeah, so it's probably some clay tablet somewhere with Paul's bite mark in it. Um, and, you know, if I can get hold of that, you know, because like <clears throat> you're an Old Testament scholar, you know there are clay tablets everywhere, all over the Near East and the Far East and the Southeast and the Northeast and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, if I could just cut you off for a moment, um, one, one of the things you said as a precondition for coming on the show was that um, I make some sort of comment to our listeners that if anyone has information about the location of Paul's dental records that they should contact you and I suppose they can just go on to the Center for Excellence website <clears throat> yep Center of Excellence okay. website um, okay the, it's Center of Excellence website uk.co.theology forward slash provide details of where Paul's dental records are forward slash submit so if you go there there's a form to register so if you register all your details on there you'll then be emailed a link to a Dropbox, and then you can Dropbox me uh, any evidence you have. Any tips would be yeah. much appreciated. Sure. So, so your goal then is to get the dental records. Do you? Prove, I suppose you also. Yep. Right. I suppose you also need Paul's teeth. Yes. So that, but, but I'll have his teeth if I can get his relic. You know, his relics together. I can then marry them up, prove it's Paul, and then we can get to the. We can we can get hold of um, Mr. Musk. And see if we can get on his rocket to the Mars. <clears throat> That's what I'm feeling. So there are two issues. I'm going to, again, Mia Golba. Um, we need to be clear that I, so the, the, in the Trinity, me, 
not the not the biblical trinity the the center of excellence trinity which is me dave and paul the goat dave gets motion sickness and i'm afraid of heights so neither of us can go so it's kind of down to Paul to go. I don't trust anybody else. That was a dilemma for me, as you can imagine. Sure, because and this takes you back to wanting to get Paul out of yeah. England. <clears throat> yeah, this is, this the is, this, yeah. So I was going to get to the US, stay with you in your pool house, get in touch with Elon Musk, get him, get his rocket. And, you know, I have been corresponding with him regularly with, so far. With whom? Elon Musk? Uh, Mr. Musk. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, that seems like a very busy person. Yeah, what, he's not going back to those? me yet. So he's not going back to me, but I have been corresponding with him. So I think, I think for me, I think it's you know I'm I'm, I'm sort of shooting brr, 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 shooting all these ideas at him, and I think you know I think I, what I imagine he's he, he's sitting there fueling his rockets, you know, filling them up at the at the at the gas station, and he's thinking about a good answer for it. So, yeah. I, so I thought, I, I mean, I just by because the time he hasn't, I, right. Just because he hasn't responded doesn't mean he's yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah. Just by the, um, by the time, my feeling, my thing was by the time I got over to America and got settled into your pool house, then I, I'm sure he got back to me by then. So in the meantime, I need that muskism. I need some muskism. I need, I need a bit of muskism. So <clears throat> one of the most famous quotes in the Bible is what would Jesus do? WWJD. Okay, so my new mantra in that in that style is W W I D I I W A H O P A M. So I know I'm not. I don't think I'll get. I don't think I'll do wristbands yet. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I think yeah, that, I think that's it's a long acronym. So what does that stand for? Uh, what would I do if I was a hybrid of Paul and Musk? So what that is is that's kind of kind of taking both the Pauline view of the world, but the Muskism of in in, in innovation. All that kind of stuff. So, so, so by bringing those two together, I apply that. So I was in the mirror. I was looking in the mirror one day, and I was like, W W I D I I W A H O P A M, saying that to myself. And I was thinking, what, 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 what's that going to? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I, and I just said, no, you know, I got to just accept it. See, I imagine you've been to conferences, and you stood up with your papers, and you've gone deep breath. I'm going to share some crazy ideas. I am just going to put it out of there. Roll it, it can, up, it can you know, feel that way. shimmy yeah. it up the flagpole, see you mm -hmm. salutes, you know, chuck that idea out there. And uh, so, you know, <clears throat> motion sickness with Dave, I'm scared of heights, so I can't go up in a rocket. It's down to, it's down to, it's down to, it's down to Paul. So I think I'm going to, I've so I, so I think I'm going to see if, and again, th 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 there's, this is not the first time animals have gone to space, you know that? N not at all. Dogs so have been dog, in space. Dogs, monkeys. Chimps, yeah. So if they can train a chimp to fly, you know, in a rocket with the controls and do all the kind of like all the controls, you know, like if like I've seen Apollo 13, if, if you imagine three monkeys doing all that kind of like what the Tom Hanks did and stuff, they can train a monkey, they can train a goat. I know they've got no disposable thumbs, but um, I still feel goats can do certain things. If you make the controllers hoof shaped, you know, they could go forwards and backwards and stuff. So um, maybe give them some hooks or something so they can, he can hook on the controls. Yeah, so it's a, it's a work in progress. Anyway, so so I've created a what I like to call um, the goat sack. So it's like a rucksack for goats. It's called the goat sack. I'm not sure whether to go on one of those shows where you ask for a million pounds. You know what I mean? I've seen those on the telly. Um, but anyway, it's big enough. So on one side, you've got spe relic space. So, um, you know, in one side would be a set. A full set of human bones. Yeah, and on, you, on in the, the book you go into 
a lot of detail about the dimensions of that, which I, I yeah. found interesting. So it would be uh, the one side would be uh, would be a, a, big enough for a set of human bones, and on the other side would be snacks. So the goat could have snacks on the one side, and uh, Pauline uh, on the other side. So, um, so I think that's that's the proposal where we're at, and that's what the book the book is the the book is the is that journey, both the mental, spiritual evolutionary journey that i've been on to 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 get to this point now the book's not finished because i am you know the final chapter is that journey part of me thinks you know and again it goes back to what i said earlier about charity being overrated you know i think some people would say that like if someone if there's a flood and someone loses their house they're all safe and well but their house their material house gets swept away people will throw money at them Little little website go up. Here's money. You know, buy yourself a new house. All that kind of stuff. Be safe. And you know, if people are prepared to do that, a little bit of me wonders whether they'd be prepared to fund the goat sack. You know, and and, and the whole journey and the training and the kind of like the hooks that the goat would need to be able to use the controls. Um, I wonder whether because when I approach um, Musk and we come to some kind of a deal. Um, me having backers, it's, I think it's like a new, fr- you know, investors and backers yeah. in this. It would be quite to it. Um, if we could wrap up the the discussion here, you know, so you're you're imagining just to kind of like step back and think about what it is you're trying to accomplish. Like, so you want to get Paul's relics, you want to load them onto a goat, you want to get that goat on a. Uh, a SpaceX rocket. You want to send that to see that sent to Mars. You want to see Paul properly buried on Mars, as you put it in the book. <clears throat> Why does that matter? Why does anything matter? Hmm. Why does it matter? You know, why do why why does why does food matter? Why does oxygen matter? Why does love matter? You know, I think if you put food, oxygen, love, and a huge mission to Mars to bury. Paul's relics under the surface, <clears throat> taken there by a goat. It's all the same. Yeah. Well, Professor Shablatsam, uh, I think that's a great note to end on. I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show. Um, I, I'm sure our listeners will be very engaged with you over the next year and anxious to hear um, an update on how this mission proceeds. So thank you so much for your time. I absolutely hope that um, by next April there will be more news on the mission to mars um i'm <clears throat> not sure how long my um my denial of access to the u.s will take you know take hold and, and be there so we'll, we'll hopefully hey we might be doing this in person in a cafe in downtown vancouver yeah and we'll definitely yeah. be holding uh, uh paul the goat in our hearts uh, over the next year yeah i can we, i just i don't want to talk can we can we just not yeah you have been listening to OnScript, delectable conversations on scripture and theology. If this episode has brought you inner peace or lit your biblical fire, please consider a small donation of just 2 or $5 per month. Information on how to donate can be found at onscript.study donate. 